Okay, well, we are in John chapter 1. We continue our walk through uh, John's gospel. And uh, this morning, we're not going to be... Well, I'm going to read the entire text, but uh, we're not going to be looking at the entire text this morning. Hopefully, you're in a life group, okay? And life groups this week are looking at the rest of the story, okay? And, uh, boy, I want to encourage you to be in a life group. Uh, life groups are the bread and butter of our church, and uh, I think we've learned how important they are during this pandemic period. You know, that's, uh, that's one way, that's an important way that we stay connected as a church body when we can't uh, all gather together. So I hope you're meeting together and uh, you will uh, appreciate the rest of uh, John chapter 1 in your time this week. But uh, if you have your Bibles, let me go ahead and read the text. The next day, again, John was standing, this was John the Baptist, with two of his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to, to, to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And Jesus said to them, Come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew, and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite, indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. 
And so this morning, we want to look at uh, verse 36, when Jesus walked by John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God. We're going to look at the statement, Behold the Lamb of God. Uh, John also, John the Baptist also said those words uh, just a few uh, pa- uh, verses before verse 36 and verse 29. Uh, John the Baptist had said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I just want to share some insights on those that, that, um, that proclamation that John made about that phrase. And the first is this. Behold the Lamb. Jesus was considered a lamb. And if we know anything about lambs, church, a lamb is gentle. So John the Baptist didn't say, Behold the bear of God, or behold the badger of God, or the lion of God, or the deer of God. No, he said, The Lamb of God. What's a lamb like? A lamb is docile. A lamb is gentle. A lamb is harmless. You go to any petting zoo, and what's going to be in that petting zoo for those little guys to pet? Lambs. Because they're harmless. They are innocent. Church, this is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He voluntarily offered himself as a sacrifice on our behalf. The Bible says that when Jesus was led to Calvary's cross... He did not say a word. He was like a lamb that was led to slaughter. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 7 says, He was oppressed and afflicted, and yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Behold, the Lamb of God is a lamb. And he's also a lamb of God. What does that mean? That means he is sinless. He is perfect. But before I get to that, let me just mention this about the Lamb of God. He is the promise fulfilled. Because if you go back to Genesis chapter 22, when God told Abraham to offer his one and only son, Isaac, up to God, Abraham obeyed. And just before he was about to slay his son, The pre-incarnate Christ stopped 
Abraham. Let me just read verses 6 through 8 and 11 through 14 of Genesis chapter 22. You might want to turn there. Genesis 22, beginning with verse 6. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. And and Isaac himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father Abraham, Father? Yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Verse 11. This is after Abraham was about to slay his son. Verse 11 says, But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him now, to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. So when John the Baptist sees the Lord Jesus Christ and he says, Behold the Lamb of God. John the Baptist knows Old Testament. He knows the story in Genesis. He knows what the prophet Isaiah has said. And when he says, Behold the Lamb of God, John the Baptist is telling us today, church, that God's promise is now becoming fulfilled. God is providing in the person of Jesus Christ. He's a lamb. He's a harmless, innocent lamb. He is the promise fulfilled. And he is the lamb of God who is sinless. He is a lamb without blemish, without spot. He is perfect. I don't know if you heard Don Don Lemon on CNN this week say that Jesus was perfect himself. Well, I want you to know, church, Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. He was the spotless Lamb of God. And he had to be for our sin to be forgiven. He was born of a woman, but he was impregnated by the Holy Spirit. He was conceived in flesh, but he was also conceived by God. The Bible says in Luke chapter 1, verse 35, when Mary is asking, how is she going to be able to give birth to Messiah if she's never known a man sexually? 
And the Bible says this in verse 35, the the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. The angel says, God's going to do this, Mary, and he's going to do it through his Holy Spirit. And it is a mystery. And we can't explain it as human beings, but as believers, we must believe it. Because this is what the Bible says. And he goes on in verse 37 of Luke chapter 1, telling Mary, with God, nothing is impossible. This Jesus, this Lamb of God, had to have come from God in order to be sinless, to be spotless, to be perfect. Because there is only one that can remove sin. And that is the perfect Lamb of God. In 1 Peter, Peter understood this. In chapter 1, verse 18 of 1 Peter says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. John the Apostle said this in his, in his letter in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, he said, But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. The Lamb of God had to be sinless perfection. And it only could have happened through the virgin birth. If you don't believe in the virgin birth, my friend, you have a problem with God. You may not understand that when you first come to Christ, But in our discipleship, as we grow in our relationship with him, that is one of the key doctrines of the faith that you and I must believe. That Jesus is the Son of God. He is the God-man. He is God incarnate. He is God who came in flesh. And it was only his sacrifice that could take away our sin. And so he's sinless. He's perfect. He's the Lamb of God. Next we see, I want to point out when John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Think about the world for a moment. Jesus didn't come to just take away the sin of the Jewish, the Jews and the Jewish nation. No, John the Baptist knows and he proclaims, Behold the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. He came for the world. 
And there are only two kinds of people in this world today. And it's not Jews and Gentiles. It's saved and lost. And if we don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we've not ever never come into a personal relationship with Him, understanding that I'm a sinner, Christ died for me, and I, I need for Him to forgive me of my sin, and then make allow Him to become Lord of my life. If I've never done that, then the Bible says, I'm lost. And the wrath of God is still upon me. But if I come into a relationship with Jesus, guess what? The wrath of God is removed from me. John chapter 3 Verse 36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. They will never see life, eternal life in heaven with the Lord Jesus Christ for all, but they are going to see life, but it's going to be a life of darkness and separation from him for all eternity. That is God's wrath. And it continues to remain on those who reject his name, reject who he is. Jesus came to save us from the wrath of God. And praise God, Jesus became our substitute. He took our place and took the Father's wrath upon himself so that we might live. Live with him for all eternity. And so Jesus came from the, for the world. He came for the lost that the lost might be saved. And that includes both Jews and Gentiles. And then finally, John says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John the Baptist knew the Old Testament. He knew all about lambs and the purpose of lambs. They weren't just to be people's pets. No, they were raised to be slaughtered, to be the sacrifice for the sin of the people. And this was to be done on an annual basis in the Old Testament. And all these lamb sacrifices that took place throughout the millennium were a picture of the perfect lamb that was yet to come that would remove man's sin once and for all. And the only way that could be done was through the spotless sacrifice 
of the God-man. The God who became flesh. The Word that was from eternity past. Jesus Christ. And today, we're here, and we want to give thanks for all that God has done for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. It required all of Jesus. And God knew this. God knew that we didn't need a king. We needed a lamb. A defenseless, innocent, perfect lamb. God knew we didn't need a monarch. We needed a substitute who could remove the wrath of God that was upon each of us. God knew we didn't need a military hero who would kill their enemies, but one whom their enemies would kill. God knew we didn't need an exalted Messiah to begin with, but a humiliated sacrifice that would be led like a lamb to be slaughtered for the forgiveness of our sin. And Jesus tells us to remember this. To remember this regularly for all that he has done for us. And I just want to encourage us here this morning, for those who are watching and those who are in our service, as we partake of this Lord's Supper, this this act of worship, this time to remember, is only meant for God's children. If you're here this morning, and if you've never made a personal decision to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, that's your first step. Jesus needs to become your Savior. He wants to forgive you of your sin. Simply taking these elements this morning, this doesn't remove our sin. All right? This just helps us to remember what Christ has already done for us. So if, you're, if you don't have a relationship with, with Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you to call upon him. Confess your sin. Admit that you're a, sin, a sinner. Believe that Jesus became your substitute, died in your place so that the wrath of God might be removed from you. If you believe that, that he died for you, that he rose again, and you confess that, call upon him to be your Lord and your Savior, the Bible says he's going to hear that prayer, and he's going to answer that request. And so before we take these elements together this morning, 
Church, I want us to just prepare our hearts. And we're going to sing a song, Nothing But the Blood. Because if it wasn't for the blood Jesus shed for us, we couldn't be here this morning. And that's the only reason why we can worship him. So we're going to sing this song. Let's turn off the light. You can just stay seated where you are. And I want you to contemplate these words as uh, we worship him this morning. If you need to make a decision for Christ as we sing this song, you can make that decision while we worship. Let's, let's worship him. Stephen?
blood. Because it's only because of blood that our sins might be forgiven.